Good morning and welcome to Chamber Chatter on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. My name is Mark Snyder. What is Chamber Chatter? Well, it's a monthly roundtable discussion with today's Long Island business leaders and has been underwritten by Maptoons, Long Island Chamber Maps. Let me introduce my three guests today. Paul Sapienza, president of the Elmont Chamber of Commerce and owner of the legendary, legendary Sapienza <laughs> Bake Shop. Since 1973, Sapienza has been baking the finest Italian pastries and cookies while specializing in all kinds of cakes. Welcome, Paul. Thanks, Mark. Jamie Bogenschutz, president of the Massapequa Chamber of Commerce and the executive director of the Yes Community Counseling Center with locations in Massapequa and Levittown. Their mission is to increase awareness about personal and community issues, prevent and treat substance abuse, and to promote healthy families and a safe community. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Eric Mahler, president of the Baldwin Chamber of Commerce and owner of Mahler Realty for more than 65 years. Mahler has guided clients in residential real estate transactions in Baldwin, Oceanside, Freeport, and the surrounding areas. Paul, Jamie, and Eric, thank you for joining us today on Chamber Chatter. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I like to start the program by having each one of you tell us a little bit about the communities that you serve. Paul, Elmont has been in the news quite a bit lately. Yes, it has. <laughs> Especially regarding the new Islanders Arena. In a and we're gonna way. we'll get right in a good way. And we're gonna talk more about that in a minute. But besides that, how are things going in the Elmont business community? Elmont is still what it was seventy years ago when my parents moved there. It's a community, a vibrant community made of young immigrant families. We want good schools, we want good stores, we want good streets, and uh, that has been continuing, and it's still going on today. Great. Good to, good to hear it. Jamie, Massapequa, where I live, mm-hmm. it's actually comprised of four communities, Massapequa, Massapequa Park, North Massapequa, and East Massapequa. It's a busy, bustling community. Um, What's happening right now in the Massapequas? Well, you know, like Paul, I think it's a, it's been a changing community, but in a really positive, proactive kind of way. Um, I think we also do struggle with some of that uh, that downtown feel in terms of getting our storefronts vacated. Uh, I shouldn't say vacated. We want them to be full. Um, so that's an ever everlasting issue that we've been struggling with for many, many years. But we continue to impress upon our, you know, our, our business community, how important it is in our community in general to shop local and to keep those stores vibrant and and alive and so we're seeing a lot of movement which is great you know there's a lot of building and it's good our our mall is is starting to come back a little bit which is also very nice and exciting because it attracts more of you know local shoppers which is what we're hoping to do well i love living in massapequa so (laughs) it's a great support everybody as much as i can eric baldwin my hometown i grew up in baldwin i've seen a lot of change since i grew up there in the 70s How's business in uh, beautiful Baldwin? Well, it is still a, a beautiful community to live in. Um, similar to Massapequa and Elmont, we have seen a massive, diverse uh, influx of new buyers, mostly from the five boroughs. Um, and unfortunately, the uh, business district has suffered serious, serious decline over the last 20 to 30 years, where we are plagued by a lot of empty storefronts. Mm-hmm. Although the last five years near the high school, we've had our own little renaissance of uh, about 90% of all the storefronts have been occupied in that area. But downtown has been the talk for the last 20 years. And uh, that's really hopefully going to be spearheaded and was being spearheaded by Councilwoman Erin King-Sweeney and uh, Supervisor Laura Gillen and County Executive Laura Kern with the announcement of August of the $10 million state grant. for revitalization uh, of the Grand Avenue, Merrick Road, Sunrise Highway Corridor, which is very positive because we're plagued with these empty storefronts. Great. We're going to talk a little bit more about that as well. Um, All three towns today on the program uh, have been in the news recently. Jamie, um, yours is a little different because the Grumman Navy plume that has polluted the Long Island aquifer which provides drinking water to millions of Long Islanders, um, has greatly impacted the residents of Bethpage, which is just north of Massapequa. Mm -hmm. However, over the years, that plume has slowly crept, and it's now past Southern State Parkway, heading south into the Massapequa community. 
Um, I'm certain there's consternation among the residents and the business owners. Um, what are they saying? Well, you know, we, we've been fortunate that, you know, the, um, there's been a lot of awareness, I think, in terms of the potential dangers and hazards. And I think what we're seeing is that more and more people, because of that awareness, are, are being very proactive in their voices. So there's been a lot of, I know there's been a lot of work around our Croons Lake and that whole area as the, as the water you know, filters down south. Um, but there doesn't seem to be too much um, expression of over-concern because I think there's a lot of confidence that, that you know, the, the state and the local, the county officials are going to really, like, stay on top of this. I know that... Um, um, Senator Schumer has been very, very proactive in trying to make sure that the water is safe, that people are safe, and the environment stays safe. Yeah, and Supervisor Saladino. Yes. Uh, Town of Orchester Bay Supervisor yes. Saladino is a resident of Massapequa, and I know he's very involved. Absolutely. This has been a long time coming, but it feels like remediation may just be around the corner. It sounds like it. it but like it. the mm-hmm. proposal that was approved uh, by the state was now rejected by the Navy. So it's kind of like two steps forward, one constant, step back. But, constant battle, but, yes. But um, that seems to be the biggest issue uh, as a resident of Massapequa that most people talk about. But we'll talk about some other things as well. Sure. Paul, <clears throat> exciting times for Elmont. Yes, indeed. The New York Islanders have received the go-ahead to uh, build a new arena at Belmont Racetrack. Let's it's, go Islanders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, the Floral Park Chamber, who we had on last month, they're opposed to the development. Yes. Elmont is not. Let's yes. talk talk about that a little bit for me. Well, Floral Park says they're not opposed to development. They just want the right kind of development. So that's something that's always worried me. For the last, I have to say, 10, 15 years, I've been thinking this is 450 acres of racing at Belmont Park. Racing is not a growing sport right now. What happens if the track does not remain viable? What's going to go in 450 acres? We don't know. It could be development that we don't want. It could be something even more horrible than this is seen to be. And we are being handed this gift. It's totally private money. Yes, we're giving them some tax concessions and things like that. So, yes, people are funding part of it, but they're not funding the the $1.3 billion that are being spent in our community. And I really feel that of all the possible things that could go there, this is a gem. We we should be delighted to have it. Do you think the state would ever um, shut down the racetrack? It seems to me like it's a nationwide money generator because of the advent of OTB over the last 30 years. It is. I don't think they would shut it down uh, at this point if they can keep it viable. And this will help keep it viable. and back in the day, 50s, 60s, 70s, there was 20,000, 30,000 people there every day. Now they're lucky if they get 5,000 people. So I think you still need to have the horses running, but the, uh, everything else that goes with it, the whole grandstand, the whole track and all that, we need to keep that viable and keep that going as well. And this development of, that's going to be taking place will actually be making them step up their game. Uh, right now it's only open about 100 days a year, the track is, less than 100 days a year. Um, they're hoping now, we're hoping now, that they will make a, a year-round uh, operation mm. by putting in heat, which there is none, and that's why it's closed during the winter, and uh, an air conditioning and make it something that's more valuable for year-round. Can the horses race in the winter? The horses race. But the issue is you No, don't... no, the horses stop after, uh, after the end of the year. Right, but you're saying if they heat the mm-hmm. grandstand, mm-hmm. what would they, they would just they would. Run, they w- they run through the winter? They've been racing at Aqueduct, yeah. They yeah. race year-round. Okay. How do the um, how do the businesses on Hempstead Turnpike closest to the uh, racetrack feel about this development? Are they most, concerned? Most everyone that I spoke to is thrilled by it. They're really happy. Okay. Most all right. And yeah. and uh, how do you? Uh, I mean, do you get out on the street at all to talk to them? Do you just you meet oh, them yeah. at chamber meetings? I mean, yeah. you, you, you I mean, you've been involved with the chamber for a long time, so I don't doubt you know everybody. Over thirty years, yeah. Well, some of the places I shop at, you know, I, I see the place where I get my lunch. They're renovating their counters. They're putting in hot food. Uh, everyone is stepping up their game in anticipation of this coming. The Floral Park Mayor uh, sent a letter to uh, Governor Cuomo, um, essentially raising a red flag, saying, "Wait a minute." 
Um, the proper environmental studies were not done for this. I mean, they're, you can see they're genuinely concerned that this is going to be a big, uh, uh, a life-changing, have a life-changing impact on the residents in that area. Um, you have any relationship with the floor park chamber or have you, have you had any dialogue with them or with the, with the village? We speak informally. We've never really met formally about this issue. Um, we know that they're opposed to it at all of the open forums that ESD, Empire State Development, had. Uh, everyone from Elmont, practically everyone was in favor of it. Everyone from Floral Park was opposed to it. So we know how they feel and we understand how this could infringe on their way of life. But again, I'm more concerned, what would other development do? How would other development infringe on their way of life? This is going to be a park-like atmosphere. It, it's, it's, to me, it's one of the best solutions we could have. Hmm. Be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Yeah, I know. I won't beat my horn. Let's go Islanders at the end of the game in, re- in respect. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have a lot of no, no, no honking your horn signs, I'm sure. I will. That was, part, uh, that was part of the whole discussion one night at the open forum was the noise yeah. from the let's go Islanders. Sure, beeping. sure. Um, listen, I'm a huge Islanders fan too. So, Eric, I'm sure like you, we're happy to have him home. Absolutely. Because I haven't been to one so. Brooklyn game. Have you gone to, you've gone to Brooklyn? I think on average two a year, and I've had season tickets for a long time oh, to Brooklyn. I'm, I'm impressed. It. I had no interest. Once they moved, I said, I'll wait for something better. I <laughs> went to a couple <laughs> of games. Happened. It wasn't the same. Oh, yeah, you did? Yeah. yeah. So, Eric, uh, as you were alluding to, um, Governor Cuomo uh, announced uh, back in August that uh, Baldwin will receive a $10 million downtown revitalization grant uh, to fund beautification projects and boost mixed-use development. It doesn't hurt that the Nassau County executive lives in Baldwin as well. Um, about 10 years ago, uh, there were plans to do something in the community, I remember from back then, and it never, materia- never materialized. Um, can you talk a little bit about what's been going on the last decade in Baldwin and, and like what happened with that initial plan? And of course I can. Um, Do you want I've to? been part of the chamber <laughs> since 1998. Um, there were even plans before that in 2001 or so when the then county executive Swazi did a bus tour of downtown Baldwin. So it goes back way longer than a lot of ant- people are thinking about. In uh, 2007 or eight, uh, a developer was named uh, or prior to that, but in 2007, 2008, thereabouts, they backed out of, uh, after a lot of negotiation and just about three years ago, they had backed out of the deal where the town of Hempstead has just recently uh, had a conversation for an overlay district trying to do similar things to what Huntington and Farmingdale have done with allowing the mixed use buildings, uh, especially on the intersection of Merrick Road and Grand Avenue to go up uh, to a 75 foot height trying to encourage uh, not only uh, retail and commercial stores and offices on the first story, but doing five, six stories above them uh, as residential units, trying to create a downtown atmosphere. We have people, since we're so close to Long Island Railroad, commu- you know, commuting from the city, come home, restaurants, shops, et cetera, um, and that the town of Hempstead has been spearheading it, uh, specifically you know, Erin King Sweeney since the previous, that was her whole motto. Um, and she has really spearheaded that, and um, we're hoping this goes through. We hope the $10 million will be part of the um, just a shot in the arm that Baldwin needs to push us over the hump to have developers come into Baldwin. The bad part is that Aaron King Sweeney resigned last month, so um, hopefully there are others that are willing to um, wave the flag and, and push this through now. I just want to ask you a question because that original development back in 2007, as I understood it, was from on Grand Avenue from Merrick Road up to Sunrise Highway or, so, or in that area across from the library, if you know Baldwin. Okay. But as I read the proposal here, it says the proposal by the town focuses on development of individual properties rather than a previous plan to redevelop the entire corridor along Grand Avenue. So does that um, when you're making the reference about the buildings going higher, is that what they're talking about? Yes. What it was was a three-and-a-half to four-acre parcel on the northwest corner of Grand and Merrick Road that was originally offered out to developers to develop one large piece of property. Here it is. Give us your plan, and we'll accept it based upon your uh, 
uh, proposal. Now it's each individual property on Grand Avenue and it goes all the way up to uh, uh, north of Sunrise Highway, uh, several blocks, uh, transit orientated, um, commuter friendly uh, mass development. So if you own any of those properties on the corner of Grand and Sunrise or Grand and Merrick Road, you have an opportunity of going up approximately 75 feet. And outside of the boundaries that the town of Hempstead has developed, you could go 65 feet or 55 feet based upon your proximity to those two large intersections. So it's no longer just a four acre, one parcel. It's now encompassing, shall we say, dozens, if not hundreds of parcels. Okay. Uh, it also says here the town of Hempstead's uh, Baldwin application includes plans to improve traffic and parking pedestrian walkways and street beautification and encourage mixed-use buildings with apartments and businesses. Um, can you touch on that a little bit, like especially the whole uh, pedestrian walkways? Are you talking about going over Grand Avenue? Uh, there's no such thing that I'm aware of, of any plans going over Grand Avenue. I know there was a conversation of making Grand Avenue uh, from two lanes southbound going to one lane southbound with a turning lane in the middle and one uh, the two lanes heading northbound on Grand Avenue going uh, to a single lane northbound with a turning lane in the middle. Um, and they were talking about doing some bike lanes, things along that line, uh, bike lanes. Uh, but uh, as far as I know, no overpasses. <laughs> no, well, when I saw the pedestrian walkways, it sounded like, yeah. uh, okay. I would imagine. Maybe I'm, yeah, yeah. Um, now, I think last year or earlier in the year, uh, Baldwin was invited to take a tour of uh, the Merrick downtown to kind of uh, view what was working for them there. Were you part of that whole contingent? Uh, no, I was not. I drive that street quite often, so I did not have to go walk it. That's the Merrick Avenue yes. model that they were looking at? Okay, good. Well, that's exciting stuff. Um, sounds like this is going to happen. Um, is there a timeline to begin the work? Have you gotten any approval on that? Uh, as our past president, Ginny Foley, once said, I hope it happens in my lifetime. And she is now <laughs> pushing 23 years in working on this project. So I am now quoting her, I hope it happens in my lifetime. That's right. Ginny was the one back in 2007 who was uh, yes. anticipating the big change. Okay. Very good. Good information. When we come back, uh, we're going to play Genie in a Bottle with our guests. You're listening to Chamber Chatter on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. Welcome back to Chamber Chatter on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. My name is Mark Snyder. Uh, Chamber Chatter is a monthly roundtable discussion with today's Long Island business leaders and has been underwritten by Maptoons, Long Island Chamber Maps, and by the Maptoon Shoppers Discount Card and mobile app. Let me reintroduce my three guests today. Paul Sapienza, president of the Elmont Chamber of Commerce, Jamie Bogenschutz, president of the Massapequa Chamber of Commerce, and Eric Mahler, president of the Baldwin Chamber of Commerce. Jamie, just a little sidebar here. Is it the Massapequa Chamber of Commerce or the Chamber of Commerce of the Massapequas? It's actually the Chamber of Commerce of Massapequas, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've seen it listed as both. Mm-hmm. Okay. We stand corrected. So let's play Genie in a Bottle. Eric, you're walking along Silver Lake and you spot floating in the water a bottle. You reach over without falling in. <laughs> You pull out the bottle, you open it up, a genie pops out and grants you three wishes for the Chamber of Commerce. What are, you, what are they? Um, increase, oh, sorry. increase membership and participation. Uh, without a doubt, more community shop locally rather than easily clicking online and uh, visiting the stores that are actually thriving in the Bowling community with the many generations and many years in business. Um, and, of course, large-scale development where we are sorely lacking. And if I was to go for a third one, reducing our school taxes, which are detrimental to businesses operating. How many members do you have in, in the chamber? Currently, we have about 130 for this year. Okay. And how do you go about um, growing membership? Do you, do you have the ability? I know you all work for a living. Do you have the ability to get out on the street and pound the pavement? 
It's a lot of uh, word of mouth, but not only that, we try to have uh, relevant speakers coming in for argument's sake. Our October Chamber of Commerce meeting will be on the overlay district and the $10 million state grant. Um, where we were going to have Aaron King Sweeney, hopefully uh, one of the senators or state representatives uh, representing the bowling community speaking, as well as Eric Alexander from Vision Long Island, to try to keep uh, the topics very re relevant so people are interested. I've been to a lot of other chamber meetings where they're not, shall we say, a, a good drawer or a good speaker. So we're always trying to keep the bowling community in mind, shop local, and try to get the uh, uh, speakers that will assist in uh, um, uh, giving vital information for the Bolden business community. I would anticipate that that meeting will be packed. We hope uh, so. I mean, we're going to talk about what you're going to do with your $10 million to revitalize downtown. That would appear to be in, not only interest, interesting to the business owners, but I would think the residents would want to know what's going on in their town as well. You would absolutely think about that, but unfortunately, when you look at it, uh, and I, uh, I think a lot of communities are cursed with it, a lot of volunteer organizations and other are seeing dwindling um, membership uh, because unfortunately, people don't have that um, caring attitude. They're so wiped from work. They just come home. They want to sit on the couch or whatnot. They really don't want to spend their time volunteering, even from helping a child to volunteering for the chamber or the community that you live in. So it's an uphill battle trying to increase membership, probably for any organization you're part of. Um, I believe very strongly in what I do because I know I shop with other chamber members, specifically over non-chamber members, sure. which is vitally important to succeeding. Um, you never know when that one person will come to a chamber meeting where you'll have a lifelong business relationship with them because they're providing something that you're like, wow, I really like them. And if you like them, um, trust them, you're going to do business with them. And that's what it traditionally is. You sit down over lunch, you listen to a speaker, you have a good lunch, and you introduce yourself and what your business is about, and you're networking. That's what the world is all about, networking. Yeah. Chamber members supporting chamber members, you know, that's a mantra that needs to be driven home more absolutely more often you know absolutely you want your dry cleaning done and there's one dry cleaner in the chamber bring it to him darn or right her. and i do and same thing with restaurants and yeah. the car mechanic and the gas station that is yeah you know you got to support each other and if you don't support each other you're, you're it's a slap in the face to the other members or the other community members as well jamie uh you oversee a big chamber how many members mm -hmm. you have over 300 over three yeah it, wow. is, it is a large chamber. Look at her. She's smiling right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a big chamber. One, definitely one of the bigger ones in Nassau County. Yeah, I think Farmingdale's community. up there in Garden City for mm -hmm. sure. Um, all right, so you're strolling along barefoot at Toe Bay Beach. You see a magic lantern in the sand. What are your three wishes for the Massapequas? Well, Eric stole some of my thunder there. I have and that's to say, okay because you know? <laughs> we can talk a little bit about that. But I do think we do have, you know, shared uh, dreams or goals, you know, sure. for our chambers. And certainly, you know, increasing membership has got to be one of them. You know, we try to let people understand how important it is to be a part of a, a community bigger than them. You know, that once they're part of chambers, they have opportunities that they didn't have before, you know, for whether it be to just increase their, their presence in the community. So um, increasing membership is probably top of our list. Well, Hold on one second. You're over 300. Uh, mm -hmm. Where would you like to go with that? 400? Well, however Beyond. many. I don't know the exact number of our businesses, but whatever we got there, we'd love to have them. You know, we'd love to embrace them all because, you know, as, as I think was pointed out already, you know, we all benefit when everybody's, when every business is strong and vital, we all benefit. You know, when we can shop local, which is another certainly... You know, that's another challenge for many of our small business people. You know, they don't have the same opportunities. They can't. They're not advertising the same way they used to. So all businesses are affected. So the, the, the healthier we can make the community, the business community, the better for all of us. Um, for the record, mm -hmm. as of January 2019, there are 2,424 businesses registered to the Massapequa, Massapequa Park zip code. All right, well, I'm not going to be so bold as to say that we're going to have 2,000 <laughs> members. But no, I you, you said you didn't know how many businesses. But <laughs> well, that also you. includes many people who work from home. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. But well, they could be chamber members as well. They could of be. Course. And we do have some folk that, that work, you know, very independently and are, and are part of our chamber membership. Let's see. While we're here, guys, uh, Baldwin, just so you know, in 11510, 1,107 1, businesses registered to the Baldwin yep. zip code. And Elmont, where did you go? 
How many do you think? It's yeah, over 1,000. Uh, close. It's 934. We used, to, we used to buy a list years ago. Did you? Over half of them are home-based. Yeah. But yeah. still, why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, Jamie, I digress. <laughs> Back to you. Well, I mentioned a few of them. I think that, you know, probably um, the other thing that I would, would hope was that, um, our, again, our chamber members just take advantage of all the opportunities they have by being a part of a chamber of commerce. You know, that there's a, a, a strong voice that represents their issues. When they have issues, they have a place to turn. Um, and hopefully that there are advocates for their, for those, you know, issues that emerge. Um, and I think that probably sums it up. I mean, I think, again, you know, for us, it's really just about having a strong and vital membership. When people come to our chamber meetings that occur, you know, on a monthly basis that they they learn that there are you know people that they can network you know you, you mentioned Eric you know um, relationships for life and that does happen you know and their business relationships sometimes their personal relationships but you know their their opportunity to meet new people to grow their business and to do it in a very safe friendly warm nurturing way was that three that was probably six <laughs> <laughs> all right Paul I'm going to paint a picture for you. So you're at Belmont Park one day. You're betting on the horses. I have no idea if you're a gambler. You see a bottle on the dirt racetrack. You, you sure it's a bottle? Il- you illegal, <laughs> illegally climb over the rail. You avoid the horses. You pick up the bottle. You open it. What are your wishes for the Elmont Chamber? Well, there are a few very similar to my colleagues' wishes here as well. But um, I would love to see more involvement from the businesses that already exist in Elmont. We're, we are probably the smallest, uh, well, definitely the smallest at the table, one of the smallest in, in the county. Uh, we only have about 50 to 60 members. Hmm. We have members that have been in town since, uh, I think Barney's Hardware is going to be 100 years in three and a half years. That place uh, is the best. Isn't it, though? It's like <laughs> shopping talking, at a garage talk, sale. Talking about going back in time. Unbelievable. They started in 1923. I think Vance Flores started in the 30s. Uh, Cornetta Plumbing, and then Elmont Paint, which is also uh, another part of the Cornetta family uh, in the late 40s. Uh, my dad in 48. Um, it's We have the old and then we have the new. We have people that have just started, people that have come from Queens, like in other communities, people that have come from the Caribbean, and they're opening businesses, they're starting businesses. And I have a, a I, know, I know that they don't feel like they belong. And for some reason, I want to try to be able to bake, mm-hmm. to break that barrier, and to bake that bake barrier. Bake the barrier. <laughs> <laughs> There's a four <laughs> But I would love to be able to break that barrier and to make them understand that this is something we're all in together. Um, the second thing, I guess, is since we're not an incorporated village, um, we always feel like the forgotten stepchild. Mm. Um, we need to have we, – we have good representatives, don't get me wrong, our state, our town, our county. We have some of the best representatives that you could ever ask to have. Um, but we seem to always need some special attention. There's always something special about Elmont. There's always something going on now with the Islanders and whatever where we need to have uh, uh, special attention. So I would ask for maybe a concierge in the uh, <laughs> in the government that we could uh, use as a, as a liaison to, to help us in that way. And part of this is involved – I don't know if I have to ask the genie if it's, he's a Democrat or a Republican, but in this day and I age – I think he's it, an independent. In this day and age, it just seems to be so divisive. Uh, even programs that you want to get accomplished, uh, just because somebody disagrees, the whole thing goes on hold. We've had the, uh, the same initiative that they did in Baldwin and in the five towns. They're, they're talking about doing or they were talking about doing when Aaron King Sweeney was with us from uh, Belmont to uh, the Nassau Coliseum, the whole Elmont, uh, Hempstead Turnpike mm-hmm. corridor. Yeah. Uh, mixed use, uh, higher uh, heights for building. Um, they did an overlay district in Elmont, I think it was about seven or eight years ago. They allowed uh, mixed use on a small, small radius, and there has been absolutely no development in Elmont since then in the last seven or eight years. Hmm. So we need something better. Uh, and the other thing that I would love to see is uh, – Youth programs, and I'm sure Jamie will, will come, like to hear this one too, youth, se- youth and senior programs to be made a permanent part of the county budget. We're talking about less than one-half percent of the budget. And there is no reason why we can't guarantee to our, our, our parents who have to work two jobs, where in Elmont it might be more vital than some of the other communities, um, 
and seniors that now have reached the end of their lives, for them to have to have their programs footballed around in a political game is, is obscene. And mm. that, that has to stop. Um, and, and as far as the, the after-school programs go, which I am a big part of with Gateway Youth Outreach, a uh, big proponent of, having the two parents with the peace of mind and knowing that they can work and not have to worry about what their children are doing after school increases the prosperity of our town. It increases the amount of money that they can spend in our town. And this trickles right down to the business district. And to me, this is vitally important. So how do you go about accomplishing that? That's the genie. <laughs> I wish it were that easy. Can I now, change one of my wishes and get that <laughs> yeah, one? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, the first one you talked about uh, needing more attention. Yes. You just had the Long Island, the New York Islanders landed your lap. How much you just put Elmont on the map for the for the rest for the rest of the Islanders' uh, history? Well, let's hope that that uh, that's I mean, the case. How that much would Baldwin wonderful. like to have had, uh, or Massapequa like to have a? Uh, 300 acres in Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you 300 acres anywhere. Well, sure, Baldwin Park, but they're not giving yeah. up Baldwin Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 480, I think. Well, hopefully, that'll give us the attention we need. Yeah, well, definitely, uh, it's a big step in the right direction. I agree. Uh, Jamie, um, unlike the other two communities that are represented here today, uh, Elmont and Baldwin, um, which both reside in the town of Hempstead. Like we said, you actually represent four communities yes. that all reside in the town of Oyster Bay. But to make your job even more challenging, Massapequa Park is an incorporated village yes. within the town of Oyster Bay. Yes, it is. So for those who are keeping score at home, um, that's a lot of responsibility for a very busy chamber president. Um, two questions. Uh, as I mentioned, you're dealing with two governing bodies uh, in, Mass in the Massapequa. Mm -hmm. What challenges does that uh, present for you, or is that, uh, does it kind of work itself? I out? have to say, you know, we mentioned, we mentioned before, you know, the, the, the political um, mindedness that we all have to sometimes embrace. But we have been very fortunate of late, at least, you know, in my tenure and, and prior to that, the, um, our village has been, really has worked very cooperatively with our chamber. And so we do lots of joint efforts. You know, many of the members of the, you know, many of our members are actually restaurants and establishments on Park Boulevard, which is part of the village. Um, and it, we really, we don't see ourselves as divided. We see ourselves as one. Great. And I think that really makes for a healthier chamber and a healthier community because there really is no distinction. You know, certainly the village has different, you know, statutes and things that those who live there have to respond to. Um, but as far as our chamber work, we get to really work and play together well. You know, we try to coordinate events so that they're not on top of each other so that we're not doing something on the same day so that everybody, you know, in the community can really just take advantage of, of what everyone has to offer. So it really hasn't been much of an issue. Does Massapequa Park still have its own Merchants Association? I don't think so. No. And I, I, and I know it used to be sort of embedded in the chamber. And yes. It, 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 it dissolved? Um I not I can't say with 100% assurity that it dissolved, but certainly if it exists, it's not a challenge to us. The, I, but I do. There was clearly a very strong merchants association. But I think with new restaurants, new establishments coming in on Park Boulevard, I, I'm not sure that it, it it exists the way it did, if it exists at all. Yeah, uh, I know in Farmingdale, the downtown started its own Main Street merchants. Yes. Association. Yes. But even in Farmingdale, because we're members of the, the Farmingdale Chamber as well, um, not through my chamber, but through my, uh, my other hat that I wear, right. um, there's really a great, a great synergy between, you know, even the villages and, and even like Main Street and Farmingdale, the same, this, and the chamber. They, they all work in, in partnership with one another. Great. Second question. Um, what challenges do you, do you face um, overseeing really for somewhat distinct communities. And I talk about East Massapequa yes. because the residents of East Massapequa actually go to Amityville School District, mm -hmm. even though they're in the 11758 yes. zip code. So as much as I know we like to say, well, it's all part of, but there, there's a distinction. If you live mm -hmm. in East Massapequa, you don't have the benefit of going to the Massapequa Correct. School District. Um, so as a president, what, what challenges do you face juggling the businesses up in North Massapequa along with the 
Park Boulevard and Massapequa Park area? You know, I think we work very hard to make sure that, you know, when we're, when we're um, looking at what needs need to be responded to, that we are very inclusive and that certainly our membership reflects that because we have members from, you know, one end of the, the, the town, you know, from our south all the way up through North Massapequa. So it doesn't really present itself as a unique struggle. You know, it really doesn't. We're, I think we're just very cognizant of the fact that it is a large area that we have to be responsive to issues north and south. Um, and we do whatever we need to do to make sure that those get addressed. Nobody feels that they're slighted or getting less. Uh... If they do, I'm not aware of it. And, and in our chamber, it's very likely that if there was somebody had an issue that we would be aware of it because mm. we have, you know, we're very fortunate to have someone. Our chamber is a little bit bigger. So we are lucky that we have an administrative assistant who runs our office. So we have someone there who can field calls and takes calls. People can walk in and speak, you know, so there's access to, to, to support all the time. So. Uh, nothing that that's been made aware of, you know that I've been made aware of. Okay. So when we come back, we're going to play uh, Ask a President, and that's where I stop asking the questions and uh, I let each one of our guests take the mic. You're listening to Chamber Chatter on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. I'm Mark Snyder. Welcome back to Chamber Chatter on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. What is Chamber Chatter? It's a monthly roundtable discussion with today's Long Island business leaders, and it's been underwritten by MapTunes Long Island Chamber Maps. The three business leaders with me today, Eric Mahler, president of the Baldwin Chamber of Commerce, Jamie Bogenschutz, president of the Chamber of Commerce of the Massapequas, and Paul Sapienza, president of the Elmont Chamber of Commerce. So prior to coming on the air, I asked each of my three guests to think about something they'd like to ask one or both of the other chamber presidents here in the studio. Eric Mahler, president of Baldwin. He's got notes in front of him. He's got questions. So Eric, the floor is yours. Thanks, Mark. Uh, I just have a few questions because, as you know, it, as I mentioned earlier, it's about networking. But I have what works best for your chambers as uh, chamber presidents. One, uh, and I have about three, maybe four, but. Do your lunch meetings or your evening meetings work better? Well, for us, you know, historically, our chamber in Massapequa had um, always done lunch meetings. And what we became pretty obvious was that there are some businesses who just can't get out. I mean, our restaurant tours can't get out during lunch and other and other businesses so what we really started doing and it's we've had great great response to it is we've now just we're, we're changing it up so we're doing predominantly lunch we're doing some breakfast meetings which have been really really well attended and then we'll also pepper in some of the evening meetings but we've also added in um, the networking meetings so that's also been a wonderful opportunity for businesses, people who can't come on a regular basis. And so they're coming in, you know, just for networking opportunities. And we usually do that with, as a multi-chamber approach. So we'll invite our neighboring chambers in and we all do it together. So more and more people so that, for example, you know, somebody who's in Farmingdale now has an opportunity to meet somebody who perhaps has a business in Wontaw, Seaford or Levittown. So it, it's really been helpful. Changing it up has really made a difference. Thank you. Yep. We found lunch was difficult for people to get to. Uh, traditionally, we had done evening meetings for dinner. Uh, pick a good restaurant, and it usually draws a crowd. Uh, when I did try to change it once, uh, I kept being asked, uh, when are the meetings going back to King Umberto's? <laughs> so, uh, Such that, a great restaurant, so that by the way. It is, yes. That, that, that helps. Uh, we do our board meetings in the morning, though, with just some, uh, some coffee and stuff like that. Um, and that, that this way, because they're usually a little shorter, and it's a smaller group, and this way we get, get going on our way. Let me chime in here. Jamie, I love to hear what you just told me because um, Massapequa, like many other chambers, um, will have their meeting, would have their meeting, or still do at the same time every month. Mm -hmm. And you brought up a good point about lunch. If you have a lunch meeting, you immediately eliminate anybody in the food business. Yep. You also eliminate anybody who's a sole proprietor. Correct. And um, I remember... We're going to go back about 10 years now, but the Hicksville Chamber, when Lionel Chitty yes. was, took over as president, he had a great executive assistant or whatever her title was. They had four meetings, different meetings. Um, um, let me rephrase that. Every month they had a different meeting with a different time. Let me tell you. They would do a breakfast. Mm -hmm. Then the next meeting they did a lunch. Then the following meeting they did a, meeting they did a dinner. But then they would do a Saturday meeting at the library. 10 a.m. meeting twice a year 
And I was talking to Lionel about it, and he said, you know, Mark, it's not very well attended, but I see people at that meeting that I never see all year. So I love to hear what you're doing, Jamie, because I think you're 100% right. You're probably going to get a little different morning crowd. Um, and you're going to get a different evening crowd. But yes. there are people that can never make a morning meeting. Correct. There are people that never make a lunch meeting. But look, if you can't make a, a breakfast, a lunch, or a dinner, then maybe you really don't want to be in the Chamber of Commerce. But anyway, you said you had another question there, Eric? I sure do. Um, also, what have you found with your chambers works well for fundraising and getting new membership? You want to take it? you want me to take yeah, it? Yeah, we haven't found anything, to be honest with you. Um, we try to be out there. We try to advocate. We try to, sh- to show them and tell them, you know, what we're there for. Um, we haven't come up with anything in that regard. I would have to say that our street fair is really that uh, that is our largest fundraiser. It is our probably most exciting event that we do, you know, aside. And I think we all probably do, you know, some a holiday event or something like that. But certainly the um, the street fair is wonderful because not only does it just bring in, you know, people who live locally, but it brings in families from, you know, the South Shore, people who want to come down from the North Shore come down. But, you know, on, on average, we're seeing, you know, close to 10, sometimes, you know, we think a little bit higher than 10,000 people that come down for the street fair. And it just is... You know, it's kind of like what you you want living in Nassau County to feel like, you know, where people yeah. come out, families come out, the dogs, the cat, well, not the cats, but the dogs come <laughs> out. Um, and it's just a wonderful family feeling event. And, um, you know, we because of the sponsorships that come out to support the chamber and the businesses that come out to, you know, have their, their wares demonstrated, um, it's a great fundraiser for us. It, it, it Without it, I don't know where we would be. Sure. Just before I came here, I ran into Ken Jacobson, who is the president of the Seaford Chamber of Commerce. And uh, Eric, this could be something that might work for you being a Long Island Railroad-based community. Um, They just started this a few months ago, but on – and they call it Saturday night, Saturday evening. I I don't remember the name of it, but you you could reach out to him. They hired a whole bunch of food trucks and put them up at, at the train station and also brought in some live music. And they just did it as a trial, and the and I don't know how they promoted it. it. May have been social media through some of the moms groups and things like that, Seaford moms. But he said he was stunned by the turnout the first time they did it, and that was I think back in May. So they've done it every month, uh, one Saturday a month, and he said we're getting a great turnout. Uh, and now what they're going to do in October, they're going to do an Oktoberfest. They're going to do it in the afternoon from 12 to 4, um, and I think it's coming up um, later this month. Uh, but th- and they're going to have some live music as well. And he said they're raising some good money. They initially, the first time they did in May, in May, they did a very cheap, uh, you know, rent for the trucks, like fifty bucks or something like that, because they didn't know how it would how it would go. He said it was a smashing success. They've done it every month since they started in May, and like I said, they're going to do the Oktoberfest now. So food for thought. You've got a good, you know, train station for that kind of a thing. And the train, the lots are empty on the weekends for the most part. Sure. That's so, excellent. Thank you. Yeah. And Ken Jacobson, Seaford Chamber. Hi, Ken. <laughs> okay. Um, anything else? Were those, you got your questions answered? Uh, I have one more, if you don't mind. Go. Yes. What, uh, does ch- your Chamber of Commerce ever do any beautification projects, whether it's signage or taking over an abandoned lot or repainting or murals or anything along that line? Uh, what we have done, let's see. So many years ago when there were some dollars available through the state legislature, we actually did have a, a fairly healthy um, beautification fund, which allowed us to purchase garbage pails um, with the chamber logo, allowed us to purchase some flags with the chamber logo. Um, there was a, um, we also did some beautification, but again, through funding from the county at the time, that allowed us to do some some planting on Broadway because our our South Broadway doesn't have that same feel like Park Boulevard. It's because it's a larger street, a wider street. So they planted trees, they planted some you know some uh, shrubbery, and uh, with the hope that it would revitalize. Um, it made it look nicer, no doubt, um, but it was hard to maintain because the grants for those kinds of things just don't exist anymore. The cost even to put up our holiday that's I'm sure we all share this, you know, the holiday flags and the mm-hmm. holiday lights that we all love. Um, it's exorbitant. And so we don't, you know, we're we're always challenged by how do we make that happen? Because we, we love how it looks. Um, we love and we know that the community loves how it looks. Um, but it is hard to find the funds to do that nowadays. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's the same for you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. How about you, Paul? You doing any any well, kind of beautification? We did a street cleanup one. Besides that beautiful arena, you're going to put at Belmont <laughs> Park. 
Uh, we did a street cleanup uh, one year, and uh, it's been since picked up by, I think, the dad's clubs or whatever clubs in high school. So they continue that, uh, and they do it once in, in the summer. Um, we tried uh, – um, well, the first thing was the Welcome to Elmont signs. When one, I, when one of my little girls was growing up, she said, Daddy, how come we don't have Welcome to Elmont signs? And I was <laughs> like, oh, wow, you know. So uh, we got together with the civics, and our, and our, and our chambers always try to work together with the mm-hmm. civics. I've always felt that whatever's good for the community is good for the businesses and, and vice versa. So uh, we actually got some help from an attorney that was uh, on the civics, and, uh, and we got the four Welcome to Elmont signs put up in, in our four main streets because we have four main streets because Beth David Cemetery is in the middle of our town. Uh, back in the day, before when MapQuest just got started, if you asked for Elmont, there was like an X on the cemetery. And, and, and <laughs> so um, then Belmont put up uh, uh, banners in front of the uh, racetrack. So we thought that would be a great idea. We talked to them about it. They gave us money to continue an initiative, and I think we put up another twenty-five or. 24 banners throughout uh, Hempstead Turnpike throughout the rest of the town. Um, we needed somebody to sell the rest of them, and we didn't have somebody like Mark from MapTunes to spearhead that for us. Uh, being on a limited budget with limited people, uh, that ball got dropped, and unfortunately that uh, that never continued. But I thought that would have been a good idea, too, is the banners along the turnpike. But other than that, nothing. Thank you. Good questions, Eric. Thank you. Jamie? Well, once again, Eric has done a splendid job of coming up with some really good questions. So I'm going to turn them back to him to see the answers for his questions because those were two that were those were things that were on my mind as well in terms of you know what do you guys do in terms of fundraising and in terms of you know your meetings what do you find is helpful? Um, yes, well, the uh, Bolden Chamber of Commerce over the last uh, five years has done several inif- uh, initiatives for first beautification. We have taken over three, uh, four parcels from the county and town as you show. No, they're not the most uh, upkept and clean and mowed pieces of property where we have had a local Baldwin resident uh, and landscape owner, uh, Evergreen Landscape. He, uh, we spent over $30,000 of the chamber's money beautifying them with sprinklers and, you know, landscaping and whatnot. Um, we tried the snowflake initiative that you were referring to, and we got up to 18 snowflakes only to have... Um, under the some federal new replacement of telephone poles, uh, they ripped it. off all of our electrical and brackets. So um, that was about five thousand dollars worth of electricians' work, work that was unfortunately removed uh, in the last two years since uh, they're putting up all the new poles. But in reference to fundraising, we've tried the carnivals. We had a carnival many years ago, but unfortunately with this minimum wage increase, uh, you have seen the now carnival operators uh, eliminating a lot of their smaller shows because they can no longer afford to pay their minimum wage to these employees. So we are a smaller show, so that was our largest fundraiser of the event uh, of the year. We have also shifted over to this past year, which was a tremendous, tremendous success, doing a 50-50 raffle where we have one night drawing kind of basically 100 tickets, $100 a piece, um, and that was a very good sold out, a very good turnout. Uh, so we think we're going to continue that. Um, we do not have that street fair like Massapequa's do. We wish we did. You can we, come down to ours. I usually have been to <laughs> Belmore, Merrick, you know, et cetera. I, you need I, a master I, of ceremonies for this uh, coming 2020? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, I mean, we've tried every which way. I'm sure many other chambers have as well. Uh, it's just trying to preach the benefits of why you join the chamber. And, you know, 300, geez, that would be a godsend for Baldwin or Elmont or many other chambers. I'm fortunate when I get 45 people at a chamber meeting, but on average, we average about 30. Yet I speak to other chambers and they're good at 15. So I'm blessed to have 30 but, um, and I still want 50. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's an uphill battle. Every cause that you are fighting, wh- whatever the cause may be, because there are so many worthwhile causes, and expanding one's business, which is the bread and butter of the community, it's yeah. You know, so I hope I answered everything. No, you I don't did. know. That was helpful. That was helpful. Paul, any questions for the other two? Yeah, I have member envy. Uh, so <laughs> 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 I, was, I was wondering. Uh, 
Uh, I know sometimes the larger a chamber is, the people just kind of gravitate to it. And I, uh, I bet the street fair is a good source of membership also, which is something else that we don't do. Um, but what do you do as far as trying to, to get membership? What do you drive? And what kind of benefits do you offer? I've heard of other chambers that will offer like a, a page on their website, free page for each member. Do you guys do anything along those lines? Uh, we certainly, you know, we don't have a specific drive, um, so to speak, uh, but we are, we're constantly trying to solicit, you know, through the networking opportunities that we provide. We're trying to encourage people to, you know, become a member. And I think a lot of people have become members because they've seen the draw that we can bring in, that we can bring in some good numbers and, and the opportunity to meet new people. Um, but it, it, it's, it's a constant challenge for all of us. I mean, we have a large membership, but our meetings, you know, we see, you know, 40 people. It's not like they're all coming up. And I think that speaks to the issue you brought up before. People are tired. People are working very, very hard just to get food on the table that, you know, coming to out to meetings is sometimes just not something that they do. So we accept the fact that, you know, they're, they're become members of our chamber. We offer what we can. They do. We do offer them the opportunity. We do a constant contact every single week. So any member can post whatever information they have about, you know, if they have a special promotion coming up or something coming up, they have access to that. So that goes out to our whole membership, which is, you know, a nice piece. Like an um, electronic newsletter. Yep, electronic. And that, that's been a that, – I don't know if you guys have your constant contact in place, but that has really been a really wonderful way to be able to get into people's homes, you know, business homes, um, you know, because the message goes out. You don't have to do anything aside from hit a click, and you're reading what's going on. You could see your name out there, your business name out there. That really has been a very – I think a, a very significant help to our chamber. Okay. We have just a little bit of time left, so – I'm going to give each of you 30 seconds. Um, as we enter into the final months of 2019, I'm sure you all have plans. Uh, Paul, I've worked with your chamber before. I know you're very active uh, this time of year. Uh, what do you guys uh, have on your schedule? Uh, this is almost our least active time of year. Don't we, you do like some holiday stuff? We do a holiday lighting ceremony. That's our big deal. We always do that the first Wednesday of December, sometimes the last Wednesday of November, <laughs> depending on how the weeks fall and where Hanukkah falls. But yes, we do a Christmas tree and a menorah lighting. Um, and it's that we've been doing since 1987. So we're really proud of that. Uh, we get uh, preschool kids that get up and sing and dance, <laughs> and, and grammar school kids sing and dance, and the high school band does a wonderful job uh, from Sawanaka High School. And, uh, and that, that is our biggest event at this time of year. Most of our other events are leading up to the Belmont Stakes. We have a big parade. We have a, a thousand people that march in our parade every year, the Saturday before the Belmont Stakes, leading up to it. Um, and uh, we have a state of Elmont meeting also in the spring that we get every community uh, group to get up and say something for five or ten minutes. Okay. Eric, I know you're hyper-focused on the revitalization project, but I don't doubt you still have some things going on. Uh, without a doubt, yes. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, October's meeting will be on that $10 million grant and the revitalization. And then similar to Elmont, we do have our menorah and Christmas tree lighting that is happening in late November, beginning of December. We're just putting that together now. And besides that, the monthly meetings, which all is in, uh, welcome to attend. Shop locally, please. Support your mom and pops and all businesses in co your community. Jamie, got a little bit of time left. Sure. Seconds. What's going um, on for us? Well, October we uh, we will be present at the uh, Columbus Day Fair on Broadway, North Broadway. Like the other two chambers, we have our holiday lighting. It's usually the first uh, Saturday of December, so we encourage people to come down and play. We also take advantage of the local talents of some of our, our high schoolers and middle schoolers and our dance schools. And then our big big event is uh, in June, our street fair, where we invite the anybody and everybody to come down and just be a part of a wonderful community. Okay. Thanks to all three of you. My special guest today, Paul Sapienza, president of the Elmont Chamber of Commerce, Jamie Bogenschutz, president of the Chamber of Commerce of the Massapequas, and Eric Mahler. It's Mahler, right? Yes, it is. President of the Baldwin Chamber of Commerce. Special thanks to my super engineer, Ryan Collins. He's the guy you never see or hear, but uh, <laughs> he does a wonderful job keeping the show moving along. Coming up next, Project Independence and You. My name is Mark Snyder. Thanks for listening.